You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Today's message is from Psalm 119, 1-16. Blessed are those whose ways is, way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. But you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my way, ways may be steadfast to be kept diligent, sorry, <laughs> in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn of your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I will seek you. Let, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the pr- rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will med- meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Happy Canada Day weekend. Who saw the fireworks last night? Brave the wind. Not that many of you, actually. Yeah. It's always windy. (laughs) Aren't we used to that by now? Uh, Anyways, thank you, Mansi, for reading our passage from this morning. Throughout the summer, we're going to be asking people to be reading the passage, so if that's something you're interested in doing, you can let us know. Otherwise, we'll just ask you, and you'll have to do it anyways. Um, All right. In the year 2021, which seems like so long ago, 40,000 Americans between the ages of 8 and 80 were polled by a reputable research company, And what they discovered was that among the people taking part in the study, those who were engaging in one specific thing at least four times a week, compared to those who weren't doing it at all or or who were doing it less, what they found was that feelings of loneliness dropped by 30%, anger issues dropped by 32%, bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%, Alcoholism dropped by 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped by 60%. Viewing immoral content dropped 61%. Sharing one's faith jumped 200%. And discipling others jumped 230%. So just by doing one thing at least four times a week... People were freed from addictions, they felt closer to God, had better relationships, were less lonely and depressed, became more in tune with the Holy Spirit, more on fire for the gospel, and more excited to share Jesus with others. Can you guess what that one thing was? Reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. Revolutionary, right? Um, Jeff Martin of Lifeway Research writes, The research by the Center of Bible Engagement literally leaps off the charts. The findings hammer home the truth that there are profound differences between people who engage the Scripture at least four times a week and those who engage with Scripture less often. This data is extremely revealing. 
So obviously the spiritual and mental benefits of reading the Bible consistently are, are plain to see. And the good news for us is that the Bible is, is literally at our fingertips and even on our phones, readily available, easily accessible. In fact, uh, most people in America and Canada and in, in Western society even own more than one copy of the Bible. Most own three or four or five. But yet, according to research by the Canadian Bible Institute in 2011, we're not reading it as often as we should. Not even close. In fact, they state that less than 11% of Christians in Canada read their Bible at least once a week. Less than 11% of Christians in Canada read their Bible at least once, in, once a week. And the previous research shows we need to be reading it at least four times a week. I don't imagine those stats have improved much over the past decade. So the disappointing and, and alarming research shows that over the past 30 to 40 years, Bibles have been much more useful in collecting dust on our shelves than in doing anything else. No wonder the Western church is shrinking in both size and Christ-likeness and why so many people are saying they're struggling with their relationship with God. But I have to, I have to ask, hey, how, how do we get to this place? How, how, how can we be giving the Bible so little attention today when only 500 years ago, people were facing death and persecution just so we could have a Bible? In fact, in the late 15th century, an, an Englishman and scholar by the name of William Tyndale, who was inspired by the likes of Martin Luther and others like him, strongly believed, contrary to the, to the Catholic Church at the time, the controlling Catholic Church at the time, that the Bible should be available in everyone's native language and accessible to all. And so he began translating it, secretly translating it into English from the original Hebrew and Greek text, and, and he managed to finish all of the New Testament and most of the Old Testament before he was discovered by the papacy. Long story short, he had to flee for his life, but he was eventually caught, and he ended up being burned at the stake for heresy. He literally died so that we could have the Bible in our hands and in our own language. For him and, and many others, including those brave souls who've smuggled Bibles into anti-Christian countries like China over the years, having access to the Bible is worth defying authority and risking one's life for. That's how important it was and is to them. So we have to ask, if it's so beneficial and critical for our faith to the point that people were willing to die for us to have it, why then has it become such a low priority on the daily to-do list for most so-called Christians today? If, if we claim to follow Jesus, why, why aren't we pouring over his teaching and gobbling up his life-changing wisdom and truth? Why, why aren't the majority of us, as the psalmist puts it in Psalm 119, delighting in the word and storing it up in our heart? And more importantly, how do we get back to that blessed place where we do delight in it again? It's these questions and more which we hope to wrestle with and provide answers to as we begin our new summer series, 
words of life. So over the course of the next couple of months, we'll be using the incredible poetry of the longest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119, as inspiration for us to open up our Bibles and learn what it means to delight in it and store it up in our heart. And I mean, it also has to be telling for us that the longest psalm in the Bible, all 176 verses of it, is completely focused on how awesome God's written word is. The, the whole psalm is, is thanking the Lord for his law and for his statutes and, and is a prayer to the Lord for him to, to write it on the author's mind and on his heart so that he can follow it and, and, and live an abundant and upright life in glory to God. King David, it's, it's most likely author, understood that God's word contains the words of life. As Jesus, quoting from the Bible himself, from Deuteronomy, declares in Matthew 4.4, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If we want to experience true and abundant life as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be saturated in the word. It's not optional. It's, it's not an add-on to our relationship with God. It's an integral part of it. And, and conversely, if, if you're not reading the Bible consistently, I can say with confidence, sadly, that you're not only not growing in your faith, but you're declining. It's essential. It's essential. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, if you wish to know God, you must know his word. It's as simple as that. If you wish to know God, you must know his word. And yes, there are exceptions if someone's stranded on an island without a Bible. Come on, God has grace for that, but we're not talking about that. If you wish to know God, you must know his word. The Bible is how God has chosen to primarily speak to us and reveal himself to us. It's how he both comforts us teaches us, calls us, and humbles us. It's how we grow in our understanding of the world and who we're meant to be as the church, as his people in the world. It's how we know how we're supposed to live, what it means and what it looks like to follow and walk in obedience to Christ, to do good works, to live in faith with purpose and perseverance, and how to keep ourselves unstained from the world and from sin. It's how we're informed of God's promises and his plan to redeem his people from the power of sin and death into resurrection life through the grace and perfect work of Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. It's how we read and know the testimony of Jesus. It's how we grow in the knowledge of his truth and wisdom and in the same way how we avoid being misled or deceived by false claims, false teachers, and by the father of all lies. It's one of the reasons Jesus fills us with, with the Holy Spirit to help us understand the word and, and to write it on our hearts so that we can grow in him and worship him in spirit and truth. And it's how we know what to pray for and what to repent of and what to sing about and what to hope in and how to correct and encourage others in their faith and journey of discipleship in Christ. 
As it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's essential. And and the Bible, if we think about it, the Bible is an incredible gift given to us by God. It's life-changing. It's transforming. So let's use it. Let's read it. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to write it on our hearts and renew our minds. Which brings us to the next obvious question. What is keeping us from reading it? On that end, the, the late theologian A.W. Tozer once wrote, Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of God's word. So Satan rejoices when we don't read our Bible. And then he also writes, Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. My prayer this summer is that the Lord would remove any barriers or obstacles or weapons of the enemy that are keeping us from digging into his word and making us ineffective as his followers. On that end, I would say one of the biggest obstacles for us reading our Bibles is the lie that that we think we don't understand the Bible or that we can't understand it and therefore it must be irrelevant, so we just give up before we start. And this this is an obstacle that we're going to be addressing the most throughout our sermon series this summer. But this morning, I want to address a couple of other obstacles which keep us from reading the Bible Everyday obstacles. And the first one is that we think it's boring. We think it's boring. And while I admit that there are parts of the Bible, like genealogies or some parts about the law, which, which can at time put even the most caffeinated people to sleep, the, the reality is that the Bible is far from boring. Not only is it filled with interesting and unique characters, but also with with action, intrigue, lust, drama, deception, doubt, heroics, faith, murder, assassinations, passionate friendships, battles, miracles, love, deep questions, wisdom literature, laments, songs, poetry, and divine intervention, and more. And, And most importantly and amazingly, it's how the God of the universe is speaking to us. That's certainly far from boring. And besides, to say it is would be like if I said that conversing with my best friend or with my wife is boring. Imagine if my wife was talking to me and I was like, look, you're boring me. <laughs> no, it's, it's never tiresome to spend time with someone and listen to someone you love. What I mean is if we love God and enjoy spending time in his presence, we'll hardly find his words boring. But I think often we come to the Bible and we forget that that's what's happening. But if we do, like King David, we'll delight in it. Charles Spurgeon again once wrote, True Bible readers never find it wearisome. They like it least who know it least, and they love it most who read it most. 
The more time we spend in the word, the more that we enjoy it, the more that we love it, the more that we delight in it, the more we love God. So if you're finding the Bible boring, then, then I would encourage you to pray that God would remind you that it's his words written for mankind, for us, for you. Because there really is nothing more exciting than to know that the God of the universe is communicating with us and revealing himself to us. That's incredible. Which brings us to the second obstacle, which I think often keeps us from reading the Bible, is we're distracted. We're distracted by many things. Whether it's our phones, most likely it's our phones. Or whether it's the busyness of work and life or the latest series on Netflix or we're just plain lazy and self-centered. Really, what it all comes down to is that if we've become too distracted to focus on, on reading our Bibles, that simply means we've just chosen to prioritize and be discipled by other things instead of God's Word. Whether we're doing it intentionally or, or not, that's what's happening. You're being discipled by the things that you give your attention to. And maybe deep down we don't prioritize it because, because we, we don't get how it's relevant for our lives today. And so we think other things are worth more of our time than the Bible. But at, at one point in, in Jesus' ministry, he visits the home of two of his friends named Mary and Martha. And, and Martha being the older sister to Mary... She's the mature one, right? She, she becomes caught up in cooking the food and, and setting the table and cleaning the house and doing all these busy things for Jesus, which in and of themselves aren't bad things, right? They're, they're good things. But then, but then she gets annoyed that Mary isn't helping her. She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so Martha complains to Jesus about this. And this is how, how he responds to her, Luke 10, 41 to 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So the question for all of us is, are we choosing that one thing? Are, are we prioritizing the good portion in our daily rhythms of life? Are we choosing before all else to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary to listen to his words? Words which cannot be taken away from us, living words that still contain the power to transform and sanctify us in his likeness and goodness. Again, the, the biggest reason I would say the church is declining in North America in both size and Christ-likeness, again, in, in my opinion, but also according to reputable research, is that we've stopped prioritizing the good portion. We've, we've, we've set aside scripture for other pursuits and, and self-centered entertainment, often saying we're too busy, and therefore allowing the world to disciple us and form our morals instead. But for a Christian, for a Christian... There is no such thing as being too busy to read our Bibles. No such thing as being too busy to read our Bibles. It should be our top priority. Not a thing we squeeze in if we feel like it or when we have a little extra time in our day. As Simon Peter proclaims in John 6, 68 to Jesus, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. Why, why would we go to something else? He's given us the words of eternal life. If, if we want to see revival, if we want to see the church expand and grow, if we want to see our lives transformed, living abundantly in Christ and moving in the power and gifts of the Spirit, if we want to overcome our temptations and addictions and sins, and if we want to become more emboldened and, and empowered to share the gospel and God's love to others, we need to prioritize and choose the good portion. We need to sit at the, at the feet of Jesus and seek his kingdom first. We need to read our Bibles. And not just once or twice a week. And not just by listening to your pastor read it on Sunday morning at church. That's not enough. And the truth is, I, I can't do this for you. In the same way that your, your gym instructor can't do your workouts for you, right? Sure, they, they can show you how it's done and be an example, encourage you in it. But in order to benefit from it, you have to regularly do it yourself. And so if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to in, integrate reading the Bible into your daily rhythms of life. And you won't regret it if you do. You won't regret it. And, and to that end, I want to give you some tips Seven of them, in fact, just quick tips on how to integrate and become more consistent in reading your Bibles. Again, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about what the Bible is and how to apply it to your life and all those good things. But today, I just want to talk about how to just become more consistent in reading your Bible. So number one of seven, put it in your calendar. It seems obvious, but... Picking a good time in your day to, to read your Bible, that works for you. Decide what works for you. And then put that in your calendar or put a reminder in your phone. And, and that'll be incredibly helpful for you, right? And after a while of doing this and making it a part of your day, you might not even need that reminder anymore because you'll be delighting in it, enjoying it, and looking forward to it. But until then, in, in order to help you get going and to create that habit, it's, it's a good thing to do. So put it in your calendar. Put a reminder in your phone. Number two, start a Bible reading plan. Start a Bible reading plan. There, there are many helpful Bible reading plans available out there uh, from books or on the internet or on your Bible apps, on your phone. Whether, whether they're plans for reading the whole Bible in a year or something like reading the New Testament over the summer, there, there are tons to choose from. I'm doing one right now from the YouVersion Bible app. And it's nice because it also has an audio option as well. So on busy days, I can even listen to it as I'm driving in my car, picking up my kids from school or driving to work or whatever. So there's a lot of ones out there. These plans are also helpful because it will keep you consistent as you work toward a goal of accomplishing whatever the plan is. It also helps you manage how much to read because sometimes we just don't know how much we should read in a day. And it will also help you to read the Bible within the context of being one unified story rather than just doing what so many uh, Western Christians seem to, to do all the time, just flop open your Bible and just randomly read out of context. That's not always that helpful. Uh, admittedly, one, one downside to following a plan that we have to watch out for, though, is, is that it can make our reading time become this checklist item 
that you just want to get through because you have to. Oh, I've got to do my Bible reading today. Oh, I've got to get through that so I can go do something else. So, so we have to be conscious to not allow it to turn into that, right? Another potential downside is that we can potentially become deflated when we miss a day or two in our plan and then just give up because we're behind. We think, oh, I missed a couple of days. God must hate me now. I'm, I'm just going to give up. No, we can't, we can't think like that, right? That's missing the point of the plan, which ultimately is, is to get you into the word. And so if, if you miss a couple of days, don't fret. Don't be down on yourself. Just start up again where you left off and keep going. If, if the 90-day plan takes you 120 days, it doesn't matter. The, the, the point is that you're in the Bible. God, and God has grace for that. He just wants to spend time with you. He just wants to spend time with you. On that end, if, if you want help finding a Bible reading plan, I can help you with that. And uh, I've also printed a 90-day New Testament reading plan that I'm going to put at the back at the end of the service uh, that you can take home with you if you'd like. And you can just, it's a checklist. Um, if you're already reading a plan, don't worry about it. Keep doing that one. Uh, but it'd be great to go through that plan together this summer. And we also have Bibles. If you want a Bible, we, got, we have Bibles. We can give you a Bible. All right. So one is put in your calendar. Two is start a Bible reading plan. Number three is seek solitude. Seek solitude. Find, find a place to read where you're not going to be distracted. And this point is also, it also seems obvious, but if your phone is a distraction, turn it off. If your kids keep you busy, try reading maybe during their nap time or when they're at school or just hide in a closet. I don't know. Do, do what you need to do. Go, go sit on a park bench. Whatever you need to do so that you can focus on reading. So that's the third one. Seek solitude. Number four, read with others. Read with others. It, it's great to read the Bible alone. But if it's an option for you, it's always encouraging to get together with other believers to read and discuss the word. This could be in a small group or with your family or with a couple of friends or whatever else. And it's also nice to have people that are going to keep you accountable in our reading as well, right? So read with others if that's an option for you. Number five, pray. Pray. Pray before you read and pray after you read the Bible. So as much as we're going to be talking about reading the Bible this summer, I also want to emphasize how important it is to pray before and after you read it. Acknowledging God and asking the Holy Spirit to guide us into the truth and, and to write it on our hearts is, is integral for us to understand it and to grow in it. So let's not neglect to pray and to pray with thanksgiving as we do. So that's the fifth one, pray. And number six, Give yourself grace, or don't get discouraged. Um, sometimes when we approach the Bible, I think it's easy to get discouraged when we don't fully understand it, or when it doesn't seem to speak to us in the moment, right? But that's okay. That's okay. There have been plenty of times when I've read a passage in Scripture and God's presence is felt strongly, or it hits me right in the heart, or, or when my eyes are open and understanding, but there are also times, many times, where that's not the case. When, when I don't really understand what I'm reading in that moment, or I'm even troubled by it, or I'm just not feeling it, so to speak. So don't be discouraged in those moments. God will give us revelation and understanding of his word when, when the time is right. 
And when it's needed sometimes, maybe at a later time during, during a sermon or, or a Bible study or when we're reading somewhere else in Scripture and it finally connects or we're going through something and, and, and God brings that Scripture to mind and we're like, oh, now I get it. And that's exactly what I needed. On that end, there have also been times when I've read a passage of Scripture and thought, you know, well, that's nice, but it doesn't really speak to me right now. And then later that day or, or the next day, someone I know will be struggling with something. And I realize that that passage I read actually speaks to them, to that person. And so because I had just read that, that passage and it was fresh in my mind, I was able to share it with them. Which, which also reminds us that the Bible isn't just a tool for personal use or personal benefit, but that it's communal, right? That the more we read it, the more others around us, Christian and non-Christian, will also benefit from it as we're able to share it with them. And finally, number seven, respond. Respond to the reading. So whether that's through prayer, meditation, writing in a journal, or, or taking notes or conversing about it with others, or through repenting or worshiping or studying a commentary or devotion about it, or all of the above, it's incredibly beneficial for us to engage with and respond to the word in some way so that it can have its effect on us. All right, so obviously there, there are going to be way more tips and ideas out there to, to help you in reading the Bible consistently, and, and we'll mention more throughout the series and also how to approach it and all those good things. But in the same vein, there are probably some things that work for you and not for others and vice versa, so you'll have to figure that out for yourself. But don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Either way, the goal is to read your Bible and to do it consistently. Read your Bible and do it consistently. It contains the words of life. That is, it invites us to know and follow the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ. So let's not neglect it. But rather make it of vital importance each and every day. As it says in Psalm 119, 14 to 16. This is his promise to God. He says, In the way of your testimonies I delight, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Can we make this our, our promise for the summer? Can you join me in making this our promise for the summer? To read our Bibles together? If, if you want to make that promise with me, let, let, let's make this our prayer right now. I want you to pray this with me, this passage. Let's pray. Our Father, you know, as, as we thank you for your word, and, and as, as the psalmist speaks in Psalm 119, Lord, we pray as well. In the way of your testimonies I delight, as much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.